How's everyone doing today? There is an elephant in the room, and it's my eye. <laughs> so I might as well just tell you what's going on. I, uh, uh, this week on Tuesday, was playing some basketball here in the gym, and the guys got upset when they all pounded me to death. Yeah. <laughs> They've been trying to take credit for it this week. Um, actually, I was playing basketball staff. We play early on Tuesday mornings, and uh, I blacked out. Don't remember much after that. Um, but they have been taking credit for them hitting me as I was out. Um, fell down. Um, praise God, I didn't fall on my nose. Uh, and got 17 stitches and uh, fell in a, a pool of blood, just pretty normal. Uh, when you lose blood, I w- had a seizure. And uh, so we're going to get some things checked out. In the days ahead, I got a good doctor that attends here at Grace. Thanks for Dr. Boyce. Um, and uh, so I look like a mess, but I feel a lot better than I look. <laughs> and I'm um, just still a little numb uh, from... Uh, you know, just the, the pain itself, but some would say you've been numb up top for a while, so, um, but um, grateful to be here today, and uh, you could probably talk to some people close to me who would agree with that, um, but enough about me. Today, we're going to uh, look at a, uh, another uh, kink in our lives that potentially could be in your life, and today, we're going to address the, the, the kink of worry, and I suspect in a room of this size, in a room in uh, South Bend, Mishawaka, as you're watching this too, and in the link, that some of you at some time or another, or maybe in the present bowels of worry, and you find yourselves um, wondering how you can, can I ever overcome this? Can I get through this? Can I, that issue that's out there, can we ever uh, be able to, to see breakthrough? And so today I'm gonna ask you to consider and reconsider what God says regarding worry. And I believe once we remove this worry kink in our lives, that it's possible for us to be able to, to, to live to the potential that Christ in, really wanted us to live. Most of you um, really want breakthrough in this area. Some of you love your worry. Some of you love getting with other people and worrying together. And, uh, but worry does, does not benefit you on any level. In fact, people a lot smarter than I am would tell you that worry taken to the nth degree played out in your life can also cause ulcers, can be, uh, um, uh, lead to heart attacks, can lead to high blood pressure, can also lead to depression, can lead to weight gain and weight loss, can lead to food eating disorders, can lead to uh, 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 no sleep at night. I mean, it's everything you want, isn't it? Isn't that what you want? <laughs> everything you're like, well, let me, give me some worries so I can have all that. And I mean, we really, we walk into this life in this world that somehow... We, we say, well, I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and worry. And then we know what the ramifications of it long term, what can happen to us. And yet some of us are in this cycle of insanity. We just continue to worry. Everything comes this. Oh, no, that might mean this. And oh, no, that might mean that. And, and so we go down this path of endless darkness and depression and anxiety and panic attacks and, and weight gain and weight loss and, and alienating ourselves from people. And, and we live as these lethargic, weak, frail people when Christ has intended us to live in such a different way. And so Jesus gave us some great insight on worry. And I would even go so far as to say this. I believe this week for me was some fresh information as I looked at the text. And, uh, and it, maybe it's out of the bowels of what I'm walking through and realizing, man, I have nothing to worry about knowing that God is in control. Whatever's going on in my empty head, God's in control of that or my body. And so I'm not a person who's prone to worry. I just don't. I, I've chosen not to on, on many levels. But 
I think this passage might be, uh, might be some fresh insight for you. Let's put it this way. It was for me. And maybe you've learned this and, and, and you've dealt with this. But I want you to grab your Bibles today and turn to Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12 and look at verse 22. Luke 12 and verse 22. If you need a Bible, hold your hand up. Ushers will be glad to place one in your hand. If you need that Bible, you don't have one at home, take it home with you. And if you, don't, if you have one at home, just drop it off at the hubs on the way out. But hold your hand up if you need a Bible. Turn to Luke chapter 12. And Jesus is going to give us some great insight on worry and this kink of worry. It's a matter of worry. Luke chapter 12, and we're going to begin with verse 22 and 23. Would you stand? We'll read it together. Luke chapter 12, verse 22 and 23. Let's read this together. Luke 12, verse 22 and 23. Let's read it. Ready, read. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, or what you will wear. Life is more than food, and the body more than clothes. Let's read that again, beginning with what Jesus said. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, or what you will wear. Life is more than food, and the body more than clothes. You have a seat. Worry, I would say this, reduces the quality and duration of your life. I mean, it can even shorten your life. And even knowing that, even though some of us know that to be true, even though that we know that we, we don't feel up to par when we walk down this path of worry, we still choose to, to walk down a path of worry, even though we know that it, it, it reduces the quality of life for us and those around us and the duration potentially of how long we live. Jesus is having a conversation with his disciples now picture, if you will, he's having this conversation and he's telling him, he's looking at his disciples who he spent time with. He said, hey, don't worry. Why is he telling them that? You always, I always ask the question. One of the questions when I jump in the text, what, where, and why? And so why? Why is he saying this to disciples? Aren't they followers of him? Haven't they had him by his side like everywhere? It's like, hey, we need food. Okay, here. Hey, we need some wine. Okay, mix this up. Hey, this person needs help. Okay. I mean, why would disciples have to worry? They had the miracle healer walking with them because he knew that the time was near when he was leaving them and he was setting them up and preparing them for the day when he would be gone and so that they would not worry. You know, it's easy to say, Jesus is with you when you say, hey, give me five. It's more difficult for some of us to say Jesus is with us when we don't physically and visibly see him. And so Jesus knows that the time is coming when he'll go to the cross. And he looks at these people that he loves, these disciples who spent a lot of hours with and a lot of time with. And he's saying, hey, remember, don't worry. And then he says, this, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or about your body what you will wear. Life is more than food and the body more than clothes. Look at the air. He addresses all the areas. Life is a reference to everything, relationships, friends, people. Body, how we look, our bodies. If we have a pain, if we have something hurting us, if an illness and we wonder what's gonna happen, he's saying, don't worry about your bodies either. Don't worry about clothes, what you will wear. I mean, and all realizing, think the disciples worried about what kind of sandals they were wearing? I mean, think about it. I mean, but we do. I mean, think about clothes. How much time we waste and worry about keeping up with fashion. Oh, boy, why'd they keep changing? You know, have you ever asked this question? Who determined what were right clothes? 
I mean, it's like, who made, who determined that this is what we should wear? I mean, how much time do we spend trying to keep up with fashion every three months? You know, marketers are smart. People who design clothes are smart. They keep changing the clothes and keep saying, this is what is the right clothes. But who made the decision what is right? Some of you are saying, I'm staying with the leisure suit until it comes back, baby. It's coming around again. <laughs> and some of you have chosen, and in all seriousness, some of us have seen the cycle of clothes come back. Someone's saying, I get to pull out the Levi 501s and 505s and 503s again. Even though they don't have covers on the pockets, they're going to be cool again one day. I mean, just all these issues, shoes, ladies with shoes. How many have tried to give a fashion with shoes? Who determined what is right? And Jesus said, don't worry about that stuff. But how much time do you spend? Boy, I like to have that outfit or I like to have those shoes or I like to have that or that or that. And the time is, don't worry about fashion or clothes. In other words, Jesus says, don't worry about anything. When you have the right to determine what's right, like Jesus did, you can speak at people and say, you know what, don't worry, I have things under control. Now in our world that we live in, and probably in this room, many of us would probably be convicted of being false prophets when it comes to this. How many of you have thought about something and you begin to worry about it and you go down this path and it's just like this gauntlet of darkness and you, well, that means if that happened and I felt this, oh, that means this is gonna happen and she said this and he said that. I bet this happens and you're going down this dark and you, you predicted the future yet you come to find out that you've been a false prophet over and over and over and over and you wasted all this time with all this worry thinking this is what's gonna happen. I bet all of us at some time or another have been guilty of being false prophets and the Christian community of all people We have more false prophets when it comes to what we think is going to happen in our lives than any people alive. And Jesus is saying, don't go there. Don't worry. And he's looking at his disciples and saying, hey guys, I got this under control. And he's looking at us at Grace Community Church today and he's saying the same thing. But the worry gene often is passed down from mothers to kids and from fathers to sons and from fathers to daughters. And and you see this family and they have that, that look of everybody's like, panic attack mode. And you see them, oh no, here comes the browns. They're always worrying. Here comes the greens. They're always worrying. It's like, and you almost, you see this person coming in and they leave you. It's like, they suck the life out of you. And, and Jesus is saying, don't let that worry gene take over because the time that you waste spending your tracks with the stuff often doesn't play out in your life. We've exhausted every option when we worry. We've run down every road that can possibly run down. And it's like we're on this highway, this super highway, and we just keep going. And all these exit signs are going past us. Boom, 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 boom. And we keep running. There's no way to get off because we know that this is going to happen and that's going to happen. Meanwhile, Jesus is saying, hey, back here at exit 1A, I was here. Take this exit. You didn't need to go down that road. You wasted all that time, all that gas, all that energy, and all the, the quality of life. And you could have just taken this, and I would have taken you and carried you. Life is way more than stuff, verse 23 tells us, that we tend to waste our time on. We're like a hamster in a cage. Now picture your pet hamster. If you have one, it's probably gotten out and you probably lost it and you probably chased it through the house. And I don't know why anyone has a pet hamster. I have no idea. Just don't have any clue whatsoever. Another story for another day. But think a a hamster just wasted its life and you put this little wheel in there. And, and you get in there, and what they do, they run. And then they run all night long. Why in the world do you have those things in your house? And so you put it in another part of your room. And another story, I can't, I've got to get back on track here. But anyhow, this hamster, 
It runs. And it spends its whole life running in, on this wheel. And they made them really cute. They give you all these chutes and tunnels that they run through. But majority of the time, it loves getting in a ball or, and it runs. And do you realize that the average hamster in a lifetime runs 9,000 miles to nowhere? <laughs> and that's what we do. We're much like the hamster. We're on 9,000 miles to nowhere. But I like running and I like thinking about what could happen. Let me run. And Jesus said, now get off of the, the wheel. Get off and take this exit and walk with me. You won't be tired. You won't be weary. You won't be lethargic. You won't be sick. You'll have life. And Jesus is saying, get on the road with me. And yet we choose. Well, I got this one, God. Let, let me just run a little bit, okay? At least let me run like 10 miles here, okay? Jesus is saying, no, get off. Trust me. And he's looking at these disciples and said, don't be concerned with the stuff in your life because I got you covered. Well, you know what happens? I mean, have you ever looked at a kid and you've probably said this and you look at this kid and you say, boy, that kid doesn't have a worry in the world. Have you ever said that about your kids? You think, oh man, to be a kid again and not have a worry in the world. Wouldn't it be nice to go back and be a kid again and and have mom and dad take care of everything? And you didn't have to make any choices about what you, what, what you would wear or, 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 or whether the bills would be paid or whether you should invest your money here or, or what college you need to go to or, or what person you, 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 you need to spend all your time with and, and staying away. And a little kid just trusts mommy. Where are we going? Okay, let's go. And the reason they trust is because mom and dad are taking care of them because they place their trust in a kid doesn't have a worry in the world. But as we age, there comes freedom in our lives. And the truth be known, how many teens says, I just want freedom. <gasps> if I can have freedom, get away from mom and dad, then I can just have freedom. But the truth be known is that fear is something that's a product of freedom. Because when you're free, you have more choices. Let me tell you, teens, it might look really, really good. But let me tell you something. You'll have more choices that you're responsible for. And so this fear increases with freedom. What college will I go to? Well, I should go to this college. No, I don't want to major. I don't know what I major in. Then I should go here. Well, you should go here. And it's like, and then what house should I buy? I don't know. I should buy that one. It's on foreclosure and it's such a good deal. The interest rate, should I refinance now at 15 year and going from 30 years? The interest rate's like 3.7. And so we're Jesus saying, stop, stop. Get off of that wheel and trust me. But we continue, what church should I go to? What investment should I invest in? What business should I own? Should I sell? Should I keep? Should I buy? Should I do? And Jesus is saying, don't worry, be concerned about that stuff. As much as you are, especially when it gets to the point of worry. Let me just say it this way. Some right now in this room have, are so prone to worry that you've begun to worry about the fact that you worry. I mean, that's how bad it can get, and you don't even realize. It's just your default system. Oh, no, that means I'm a worrier. I'm going to worry about that. And so you jump back on this wheel, and you're running, running, and Jesus is saying, no, no. And why did he say that to the disciples? Because of this. He knew there would be a day when he wouldn't physically be there. And he knew there would be a day when they just couldn't turn and say, hey, Jesus, what do you think? Physically. 
And he knew that they were human beings and they would have a choice to make. Will I get on that wheel and run on my own and limit the duration of my life and get sick and lethargic? Or will I trust in a God who walked with me, not only walked with me, but still alive beyond the grave and I'll go back and place my trust in him again? And he's saying the same thing to you and me today. We have a choice to make today regarding worry. And it comes back to this. Will we trust him or will we trust us? I'm not saying it's easy, by the way, but I'm saying this. When you begin to develop a pattern that defaults to Jesus instead of worry, your life is completely different. Secondly, I know this to be true. And we're gonna to get to Jesus' prescription. Here's what I know to be true. Worry is choosing not to trust God. Look at verse 24. Worry is choosing not to trust God. So Jesus is having this conversation. Now, now he had a lot of conversations with his, with his disciples. So he's standing there with them. We're sitting down and they're, they're drinking their seven up and, and they're eating their, their Arthur Treacher's fish. And I mean, they're, they're there, they're, they're sitting. And so he, he says, do not worry about your life. Do not worry. And then he says this out of nowhere in verse 24. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn. Yet God does what to them? What's it say? Feeds them. And how much more are you, what? More what? Valuable, valuable you are than birds. Let's just stop right there. Jesus is getting real philosophical on him. And it's like, he's standing there, he's saying, hey, don't worry about what you wear. Don't worry about what you eat. And then he pauses and says, hey, by the way, consider the ravens. <laughs> Can you imagine? Whoa, where'd that come from? It's like out of nowhere, he came with this philosophical uh, thought of consider the raven. I picture them glued in, like he's going to bring home this, this prescription that you're going, to, you're going to run right out. They're going to grab it. They're going to put it in their arsenal. And then he says, hey, consider the ravens. Jesus gets philosophical. And, and, and when I read this, honestly, I look at it and say, what do ravens have to do with Nipsco bills? What do ravens have to do with with my kid's college bill? What do ravens have to do with my husband that's leaving me? You know, come on, what's a raven got to do with them? They're nasty, dirty birds, aren't they? Why in the world do you bring ravens into the conversation? No one even likes ravens, by the way. I mean, really think about it. Do you, you go and get a pet raven? I'll take a pet raven. I mean, when you think about this, like out of nowhere, Jesus comes with this conversation trying to bring them to a, a, a picture, this imagery that's there. Because ravens in reality are nasty birds. They're scavengers. They pick off and go get food that other people killed or other people left behind. They don't do anything themselves. They live off of other people and other animals and other things. They don't do anything on their own. And Jesus says, consider the raven. They don't worry about anything. Yet I feed them. Wouldn't I feed you, you who are much more valuable than the dirty, nasty raven? So Jesus gives this, this, this unbelievable imagery here. You see, when you and I recognize how valuable we really are, listen to me, we no longer worry. Now, I wanna repeat that because if you grab this, when you and I recognize how valuable we are, we no longer worry. It's a value thing. Suppose the antique road show came to your hometown and you went up to your attic and you grabbed whatever you thought was worth like 10 bucks. And you don't want to take this. I've been having it up here for a while. And grandma gave it to me. And you take it in and, and you go in before the appraiser. And the appraiser sees it comes. Oh, 
And everyone gathers around and you realize that this book that's 450 years old was signed by some famous person and owned by some famous person. They said, wow, this thing is way more valuable than probably you recognize. And you're sitting there, you're watching, trying to talk to their face just in case they're disappointed. And then, and they says, this book is worth $450,000. You're kidding me. How would that person carry that book differently than they carried it to the roadshow? How would they carry it differently home? What would they do when they got home? Would they place it back up in the attic amongst all the other rats and moss and bugs and animals? Would they, would they put it back up there or would they store it in a place where it showed its value? I suspect they would take it to a place and they saw the value of it instead of diminishing its value and just throwing it out with the rest of the stuff. You see, we've been appraised by a God who not only bought us for a price, and he did. And what was the price? Death. But he continues to be with us beyond buying us. And I think when we begin to recognize that Christ's concern for us was more than what happened on the cross, that it continues, we see the value that is placed in us by God the Father. You see, you and I are top shelf material. I know it's hard because the enemy always tells you you're not worth it, you're a waste, you're this, you're that. And Jesus is saying, oh, yes, you are. You're very valuable. I gave my life for you. What person in the right mind would die for something that wasn't valuable? And Jesus is saying, think about it. Do you not think you're more valuable than a raven that doesn't do anything to get its work? It lives off of other people, yet God makes sure there's food for them. When something is valuable, you take care of it. In fact, you might even insure it. And I bet if you knew this was valuable after taking it to Pawn Stars and you let Chumley take a look at it. And he looked at it and then you said, no, let me get Rick to take a look to make sure. And Rick looked at it and he brought in the expert. And the expert looked at it and said, wow, this is valuable. This is like from the Revolutionary War. And this, this, this gun is worth like a half a million dollars. And when the value is finally placed on it by an expert, by an appraiser, you look at the object differently. You treat it differently. And you realize that it would cost more. And that's what has happened. We've lost the appraisal value that God has placed on us. And we have no idea what we're worth. But Christ does. You see, not only does Christ value us, he ensures us. Jesus says, not only are you valuable, but I'm gonna take care. You know what? You're so valuable, I'll never leave you nor forsake you because I wanna be close to you because you're valuable. So the picture is this, every single second and day of our lives, Jesus has taken us out of the attic. He's put us in life and he's insured us by watching and being and protecting and loving and guiding. And he's there with us all at all times, making sure, make sure they're taken care of because they're valuable. And yet we've lost sight of that because the enemy has told us that we're worthless. And when we think we're worthless, we begin to worry. You see, verse 25 says this, and Jesus goes on. I mean, look look what he says in verse 25. He says, who of you at Grace Community Church, by worrying, can add a single what to your life? Hour to your life. Since you cannot do this very thing, why do you worry about the rest? Worry does not add anything to your life. It's just the opposite. 
It puts you on that, that wheel to nowhere and it sucks life from you. It depletes you. It, 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 it limits the duration of your life. And it's saying, God, I choose not to trust you and I'm going to worry about this. You see, the expert said that we're valuable. I was on a plane flying back from, uh, from Asia and uh, Bud was on the plane too, Bud Holmes. And there was an Asian guy seated beside him, didn't speak English as well, and uh, he had a Rubik's Cube. And, uh, I, and Bud said, hey, Jim, watch this. And so I, I looked over, and Bud pointed to the guy, and he said, he, said, he can do it like in 35 seconds or a minute or whatever it is. Watch it. And so we, we timed him, get your mark set, go. And so you ever watch him? And there it was. There was. I mean, it was completely done, Rubik's Cube. I mean, it was like, wow, that's just awesome. I mean, suppose you looked at Bud and, and, and handed the Bud. You do it. If you looked at me, not a chance. There's not a chance I would take and do something that the expert knows how to do, that the expert can handle, that the expert knows it only takes a little bit of time. If he would have handed that thing, I would have flown around the world 16 times and still be trying to figure it out. But isn't that what we do? Expert says, hey, give it to me. And we take it back and say, hey, let me try. Isn't that what we do? It doesn't make sense, does it? And why do we do that? Because we think somehow that we can handle the situation better than the expert can. Jesus is saying to the early disciples and us, he says, give it to me. Meanwhile, we lose hair. We run down this highway and we put 9,000 miles to nowhere. But boy, it sure was fun thinking about it, wasn't it? No, it isn't. Worry adds nothing to your life. So Jesus continues. I mean, it's not, so they're still standing there. Picture the disciples and they're standing there thinking, well, ravens and food and where's he going with this? And then he says this in verse 27. Consider how the lilies grow. Do you think a fisherman that just spent time at Capella's in Jerusalem getting a fishing rod was thinking about lilies? Think about this. Consider how the lilies grow. You think, you think they ever took time and said, huh, I wonder how he grows. I wonder if he gets underneath and says, time to come out. <laughs> I mean, do you ever think they sit and think about lilies? So Jesus says, hey, consider how the lilies grow. Okay, Jesus, we'll go with you on this one. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much will, more will he clothe you, O oh, you of little what? Faith. Picture this conversation as he's having this. He says, hey, consider the lilies. They don't sow, they don't reap. Someone else puts them in the ground and every spring, boom, they pop out. But they did nothing. Do you think a lily ever goes underground and says, water me, water me, water me, water me. Fertilize, really good this year. You didn't get much last year. Fertilize, fertilize. Do you think a, a lily sits underground? That's the picture. Jesus said, it's ludicrous for us to, 
think that a lily does that. And if it doesn't do that, and the value is far less than a human being, why in the world should we be concerned? Because Jesus makes sure the lily pops out. And every year they pop up. By the way, do you ever think a lily petal looks down at the lily stem and says, hey, you got a fat butt. You ever think it happens? It doesn't. It just doesn't. It has no concern whatsoever. And yet we're concerned with stuff that we wouldn't be, shouldn't be concerned with. And all the while, Jesus said, you're so much more valuable than the, the lily that's at Walmart post-spring at $3.99 marked down. Do you ever think it's all shriveled up and says, buy me, buy me, buy me, buy me? It doesn't. But Jesus takes care of it. Jesus is saying to his disciples and to us today, hey, I got you covered. You are so valuable to me that your top shelf material, far more valuable than the raven that I take care of and far more valuable than the lily that's out in the grass field. I know everything that you're thinking. I've been down the path that you've been on. I know what's best for you. And I promise to turn everything into good to those that love. I promise to never leave you nor forsake you. I promise that I will be there through thick and thin, yet some of us want to take all that back and go, that's the picture. Jesus say, no, give it to me. You see, it is, worry is a result of a burden that doesn't or didn't belong to us. Jesus said, I can do it. I'll take your burden. I'll take your concern. I can supply all your needs. It is a faith issue when we worry. Now hear me today. It's also a sin issue. If you worry, you are sinning. And when we sin, we cause separation between us and God. There should be a difference in the way a follower of Jesus Christ lives when all hell breaks loose in their life than when someone who doesn't know Christ because we have an exit plan and he's called Jesus Christ. You see, lost people don't have God caring for them like we do. You see, some of us live as though we're Christian atheists. We say we believe in God, yet somehow we don't think he could supply all of our needs. They're just too much. It's just this situation's too big and that is too much, and that's too much, and this is too much. And we say, God, hey, I, I, I should take this one. <laughs> give it back to me. And he's saying, no, give it to me. Isn't that what Philippians 4.19 says? That Christ has, has supplied all of our riches in Jesus Christ. He, he'll, he'll supply all our needs through Jesus Christ. Philippians 4.19 says, all of your needs are supplied through Jesus Christ. Hebrews 4.15 says this, we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with us, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are. We don't have a high priest who's unable to sympathize with, but we have one who's been tempted in every way just as we are. In other words, here's the picture. Jesus is not out of touch. Think about his life. Well, you're saying, well, he didn't go through what I went through. Think about what he went through. He went through, through people betraying him, close people that he spent time with, invested in, poured his life in. They sold him out for 30 pieces of silver. He was single, 
Imagine living for 33 years and the, the, the burden of ministry and life on him. 33 years of being single. He understands what it is to be single to those years single. He knows what it is to be lonely. He knows what it is to be in a garden when your best friends are sleeping and you've asked them to pray for you. He knows what it is to have a concern and you're feeling the weight of the world and you sweat to the point where your blood is coming out of your pores. Jesus is, is a high priest who is able to sympathize with us. He also knows what it means to trust the Father. He knows no matter how dark the night or how painful the cross, he even knows what death is. And yet he trusted his Father. And he's saying, church, do the same thing. He's saying, hey, you think you had troubles? Think about what I went through. And yet I trust it to the end. And Jesus, listen to me, church. He could have, if he wanted to, walked away from the cross and he could have blown everyone there to smithereens, but he didn't. He finished what he started. In other words, Jesus knows what it's like to suffer. We don't have an out-of-touch God. He faced all the stuff and more. And he's saying, listen to me, trust me, I've been there. Give to the expert. Quit taking this weight and this burden and all these crazy options and of should I go to this college? Should I go to that college? Should should I should I invest this? Should I invest that? Should I do this? What means what, what what's that that little bump on my head? Oh no, that might mean this. And so we run down this path, and Jesus is saying, I died for all that stuff. Here, give it to me. Don't even concern yourself with it. I'll carry. I took it to the cross. I got you covered. I got you insured. Jesus is the best insurance plan available, church, and he's the expert. Give it to him. That's what he's saying. And when we choose not to, we're saying, I got this one covered, Jesus. This next part of his prescription plan, be quite frank with you, was fresh for me this week. Because I've never connected all this together. I I don't know why, just and it was great for me this week, and it was like, wow, this is fresh information for me. And it might not be for you, but it is for me. And I'll say this. Thirdly, concerning concerning worry. Generosity is the remedy to worry. Now hear me on this. This is fascinating information that Jesus gave us here. Generosity is the remedy to worry. So Jesus is about to wrap up this talk and he's talking about, hey, the father's there, I'm there, you're valuable. And And he gives them all the reasons why they should not worry but he still hasn't given them a prescription as how to deal with the worry in a prescribed way. And then he says this, this is all connected. He's still talking and he says this in verse 32. Do not be a what? What does it say? Afraid, little flock. For your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Then he said, sell your what? Possessions and give to what? The poor. Provide purses for yourselves that that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will not be exhausted, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be what? Also, Jesus' answer to worry. Here it is, here it is, here's the answer. Sell your possessions, give to the poor. Well, how does that help worry? Can you imagine? (laughs) Okay, Jesus, so... uh, um, we need to sell our possessions and give to the poor and that'll help worry. Yeah, that's, that's the prescription. Well, how in the world does, does that help? 
Think about this. Here's how it helps. When you and I release the stuff that we spend so much time worrying about, caring for, investing in, protecting, cleaning, you no longer have to worry about when you give it away. And Jesus is saying, give it away. 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 And not only give it away, help the poor, help the sick, help the orphans, adopt an orphan, foster a kid, help, 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 help. And when you give away, you sell your possessions and you help the poor, Jesus says, your worry will be gone. And why is that? Because when you do that, you take your eyes off yourself and you place it on others. Plus, all through scripture, how many times do you see in scripture passages like this? He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. Give to the poor and you will be blessed. Help the orphans. Consider the orphans. Pure religion, faultless religion is to care for the orphans. And when you do, you will be blessed. So Jesus is saying this. Think about this. Now now begin to think about this. When I begin to give away all this stuff, when I begin to sell and help other people, the core of the gospel is love God and love others instead of just loving ourselves. When we fall more in love with ourselves than we do God and others, worry overcomes us, Jesus is saying. Think about this for a second. I I did this week. It was unreal for me to begin to think of people. Think about the most generous people that you know. Think about them. Do they worry? Think about it. Some of the most generous people that come to mind, some people who just give it away, some people who just have a pattern of generosity or are helping poor, who've given their lives away, who are on mission, who who buy and help other people. And just think about them. And and people are coming to mind. Are they a person of worry? Absolutely not. Think about people who are the tightest people that you know, who just squeak when they walk. Are they people who worry? Oh, yes, they are. And why is that? It's because they haven't given away what belongs to God in the first place and trusted him with it and thought maybe he could do a better job than they could with it. And their lives are controlled by what they think they can do. And they live in this pattern of worry. You see, when we remove ourselves from the center of the universe, the world looks a lot different. When we put Jesus between us and the problem, things are different. Now, just think about some of the scripture. All these scriptures just popping out of, out, of, out of the Bible for me. The Bible says this, you're more blessed to what than receive? Give. The Bible also says, test me in this and see if, if you not give away even a tenth or a tithe. Even watch, I mean, I would love... I know this is very general, but I would love to blanket this community and be able to look at this community and say, who tithes? And then to see if there's a pattern of worry or not. And to see if their, person, if their life is overcome with worry because they're afraid that somehow they need to do better, be a better manager than Jesus could ever be. I'm telling you, people who are generous, God just blesses the socks back off of them. And here's what happens. The Bible tells us he will give us so much so that we can't even handle it. But what's that? We keep giving it away. He keeps giving it back. We keep giving it away. He keeps giving it back. That's the picture. Boy, you have some questions to ask. Ask yourself these questions. Am I a generous person? 
Generosity begins with God. Do I really help others or is it always about me? Am I prone to worry? Ask yourself the question, are you at the center of your universe, your needs, your situation, and it's all about you when there's a neighbor beside you that needs someone to just touch him on the shoulder and say, hey, I love you, or someone that lives down the street who's barely making it and say, you know what? I want to care for your need. And what happens is you could become the recipient even if you have a need about someone else helping you. It's the way it's supposed to work. Jesus is saying, you want a prescription for worry? Sell your possessions. That way you don't have to get U-Hauls to put them in. That way you don't have to get a bigger building and put all your stuff in and make sure no one breaks it. That way you don't need a, a super duper 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 alarm system. You're not even worried about it. But here's what happens. You keep giving, you keep getting, and you keep blessing more people. I love, and I, I, I'm telling you, man, I see people who are just seeming like, it's like, man, their life is blessed. And it's like, they share their stuff. And Jesus closes up this discussion with these disciples. And he says this, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus is trying his hardest to direct the focus away from us onto others. Let me just say it this way. After reading this this week, Here's how I would conclude. At the root of worry is selfishness. Poor me. Oh my, what am I going to do? Look at my life instead of otherness. Let me close by asking you a few questions. I want to ask you a few questions today. I just want you to, please, just don't write these down. Just, just think, just ponder for a second, if you will. What area in your life have you refused to give over to God? What area in your life is like, it's been keeping you up? It's like this, this child or this, this, this husband, this wife, this, this job, this bill. What area in your life do you refuse to give over that you constantly are going over and over and over and over in your mind and you're running on that caged wheel when Jesus is saying, hey, give it to me. How valuable do you think you are in God's eyes? Really, ask yourself that question. Do you think you're more valuable than the raven and the lily? Listen to me. How valuable do you think you are in God's eyes? How many hours are you wasting every day, every week, on a road going to nowhere because you're worrying about a situation when all the while Jesus is saying, hey, give it to me. I'm the exit. I'm the expert. How much time in your life are you helping others, helping the poor, selling your possessions, and being blessed by otherness? How much do you trust God? Ask yourself that question. Am I truly trusting God? The answer to that comes when all hell breaks loose in your home.
what's your default system? Or is it? God, help us today. Help us, Lord, to to know you in a fresh way. God, I pray for the cancer of worry that envelops so many people. And God, I ask today that there would be breakthrough in people's lives. I pray when the pattern of insanity says, I'm gonna take this one. I'm gonna think about it. I'm gonna run down this road for 9,000 miles to nowhere for the rest of my life that immediately the spirit of God that you would convict and say, give it to Jesus. I pray this week, God, that we would become people who are generous and God, that we would give away everything possible to help others and that that pattern of putting others before us would be at the heart of our hearts because it is the heart of the gospel. Jesus, I pray for breakthrough in an unusual way this week. We love you, God. In Jesus' name, amen.